0: Escape from coast to coast. This is Betting Across America on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: It is Betting Across America presented by Bet MGM. Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook. He is Wes Reynolds over at Mandalay Bay. Enjoyed that conversation with Mike Barania, the sports manager, uh, last hour with Wes. And Wes, I know we've got uh, Tom Brady's social media right now is just blowing up, as you can imagine. Uh, But we do want to talk about some college basketball plays that you have today, and maybe you've got some in-progress updates for the people before we get back to the title game discussion. What do you have today?
1: A couple of the earlier games. Uh, in the first game without Chris Mack at Louisville, it's Mike Piggies that's now the interim coach as Mack was removed this week. Duke does get the cover there, 74 65. Sparty, Michigan State over the Wolverines, 83 67. That is a final score. In terms of the in progress, number one Auburn, four minutes left to go. Now laying 14 and a half here at BetMGM. MGM, they're up 74 60 over Oklahoma. North Carolina, a minute 30 away from wrapping up against their arch rival, the NC State Wolfpack. 97 to 75, North Carolina with the lead. Arizona and a little bit of a tussle down there in the Valley of the Sun with Arizona State. Arizona was a 21 and a half point favorite. 47 44 Arizona against ASU. Remember Arizona number three in the country Mm -hmm. did lose at UCLA on Tuesday night, but the uh, Sun Devils so far hanging in there 47 to 44 and then uh, a couple other ranked teams in action. Xavier 71 to 60 over Creighton the final minute there in Omaha would be a nice road win for Xavier. Iowa State over Missouri. Missouri put so much, they almost upset Auburn the other night once Auburn did become number one. A little bit of a flat ski spot for Auburn where they were life and death just to win the game. Missouri doesn't seem to have a lot left at the end. Iowa State 64 to 46 over Mizzou and my Indiana Hoosiers, by the way, Dave Ross up 52 to 37 in College Park over the Maryland Terrapin. So uh, fear the turtle, not so much. The Hoosiers aren't fearing them right now.
2: Yeah, I saw some jokes in social media. I guess it was uh, they were giving out white T-shirts today to the uh, student body and people going to uh, that game today. They're like, oh, Maryland surrendered before the game even started. Uh, so, so far, looking right. pretty good for your Hoosiers. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of these uh, prop scenarios here and maybe some special wagers you can make at BetMGM. And one of them that really caught my eye is easily, which one will be the highest scoring game out of the two title games? And you go, well, that's going to be the Bengals and the Chiefs, right? That's why the total is 54 and a half. Maybe, as you mentioned earlier, might get up to 55. Minus 275. I know you kind of like the under in this one, and the Niners and Rams game right now, It's about 46 is what we're seeing most of the markets here in Las Vegas for that total. That's plus 225 if you actually think now it's down to 45.5. If you like the under a little bit, as I know you do in the AFC title game, could this be a sneaky prop scenario here where maybe you take the NFC to have more total points than the AFC title
1: game? You know, it it very well could be because we go back to the officiating here on the NFC game. It's Carl Sheffers. Now, it's a mixed crew. It's not his crew that he had for the entire regular season, but... Carl Cheffer's crew did throw the most penalty flags in the National Football League, so I actually think that that very well could help an over. I mean, it could really work both ways. I mean, you could get more offensive holding penalties, and then all of a sudden you got offenses back in first and twenty and whatnot. So getting behind the eight ball, but you're also going to see more defensive holdings. You're going to see more illegal contacts. You're going to see more pass interferences. So yeah, I mean, that's another way to play it if you don't necessarily get your number on a total, but you think maybe that nfc game is going to be a little bit higher scoring so yeah that would be the way i would look and and i believe uh i think the uh, final game of the regular season i believe did have 51 points uh just trying to uh look that up real quick in the overtime yeah it was 51 Mm -hmm. yeah 27 24 the 49ers with the win so you're seeing it get bet to the under, and I certainly understand why, because you got to think: okay, the 49ers have been the best in the in the league against the run down the stretch. So, what are the Rams going to be able to do at the running game? And and you saw it last week. Sony Michelle, or excuse me, uh, Cameron Akers really didn't do very much, even though he got used very heavy. Right, 24 carries, only 48 yards against a very good Tampa Bay defensive line in terms of stopping the run, and he also had two fumbles. So. That's where you got to see, okay, are you going to see a little bit more of a two-headed monster a platoon with Sony Michel and with Cameron Akers that they're going to run the ball? We know San Francisco is going to be run heavy. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be run exclusive, but we know that's what they're going to do. And we've seen this before with Jimmy G where it's like, okay, you're not going to see him probably throw it 40 times a game unless he has to, unless the Rams get out to an early lead, then all of a sudden they're behind. So that could be another way to play it if you want to maybe – Of zig when everybody else is zagging and go with the Rams or the 49ers as the highest scoring team of the weekend.
2: Yeah, and again, I kind of like that value play too because if the the Bengals struggle to score in Kansas City, maybe the Chiefs don't have to pile on a lot of points, and all of a sudden you get a total that might end up in the lower 40s than what we're anticipating in the 50s. So maybe if you take that Niners and Rams at plus money, a plus 225 for the highest scoring championship game of the weekend, they don't even have to get to the 46 necessarily if you get a lot less points than what you're anticipating in that AFC title game. So really could be a good way if you're looking for plus value out there and you don't like that total, as you mentioned, at 45 and a half, 46, and maybe get a surprise sneaky over game there and more points in the NFC could be another way to go if you're looking for that big plus money. You mentioned the highest scoring team individually of the weekend. Well, the Chiefs, you can obviously imagine why they're minus 105 and the the favorite. But the Rams here, and again, the two favorites, would be the, the favorites here. But the Rams, plus 325. Whoa. So, yes, the three-and-a-half-point favorites to win the game. But you see here, can they outscore the Chiefs? That's where that really kind of head to head uh, mono to matchup goes, if you assume that the Chiefs going to win that game. Hey, you think the Bengals can pull the upset? Probably going to have to score a lot of points. Plus 400. You can understand that. The Niners, the longest long shot of the weekend. Any other value here, or is this chalky with the Chiefs at minus 105?
1: It's not value for me to like bet it, but if you make a case for it, uh, you know, like I was just saying, if you want to kind of go against the grain, be a little Mm -hmm. contrarian here, it would be a Rams or a 49ers type of play. And, you know, I did bet the under just kind of betting the number and just kind of going against the steam a little bit on that Bengals and Chiefs, but obviously they are the justifiable favorite. If you look, they've put 40 points up in both of their playoff games so far, so you know, it's tough not to assume that they're going to be the chalk and people are seeing that highest scoring team minus one Oh five. Hey, that's free money. Look, these are the tightest these numbers are going to be all year. I don't care whether it's side or total or whether it's prop market. So keep in mind, they're not going to be in the business of handing out free candy to you necessarily. No. So be careful on that chiefs minus a dollar five.
2: When you look conversely Wes, at the potential lowest scoring team of the four, the chiefs are going to be the, the biggest long shot there plus 600. Cause we just assume that the chiefs are going to sc- book them for 30, right? That's what we all kind of think here that the chiefs are going to score points at home against the Bengals defense that can be had, right? Then the Rams Mm -hmm. at plus 275, the the Bengals at plus 250 would be intriguing to me. And then the Niners at plus 150. I think we think that Niners-Rams game is going to be a tussle. It's going to be close. So you got to figure out the winner here, in this case, the loser here for that side. But the Bengals at plus 250, I, I could see a game script where the Chiefs get up, right, The Bengals eschew a good field goal kicker in Evan McPherson because they're so far down. they got to go for stuff. They don't get it. Time comes off the clock. Long drives. They come up empty. Where I can see the Bengals scoring in the teens as a possible scenario. Do you think there's value there if you think the Chiefs are going to roll that they really sit in the Bengals? And at plus 250, maybe they kind of limp their way to the finish line in their first title game in forever.
1: That probably is the value play of the four. I think the uh, justifiable chalk, if you will, even though there's still plus money there at three to two is the San Francisco 49ers because can the Rams make them one dimensional because obviously they're going to want to throw it for Jimmy G. Now he did make some throws he in did. that week 18 game. Remember that great throw to Kittle right before the half when it was 17 0 and when the, uh, the chorus on social media and the cor- chorus amongst the uh, commentary or football <laughs> intelligence whatever you want to call them, was like, okay, you got to go with the kid. You got to go with Trey Lance. Jimmy G throws a beautiful pass to Kittle, gets him in the field goal range, and that really kept him in the game. So, you know, it's not like this guy, you know, is a total greenhorn that he's uncapable. It's just he didn't really play well. I know that that was the big controversy this week amongst the former 49er quarterback Jeff Garcia and uh, ESPN pundit Mina Kynes where she said, hey, they won kind of in spite of Jimmy G, and I don't think she was wrong based on how you look at the numbers numbers that was a, a defensive game it was the defense and the running game that won that game mm-hmm. and obviously Garcia took Umbridge and it developed into a whole deal on social media like <laughs> everything does nowadays but but anywho uh, kind of back to this topic I think the 49ers are justifiably the shortest odds in terms of this lowest scoring team on Sunday category. The first game, it was 31, 10, then 27, 24. So the market is basically already telling you, Mm -hmm. they think this is going to be a lower scoring game. They think maybe this team's going to get held to 20 points. So, you know, If you make me and say, Wes, you got to bet this, I would bet 49ers plus 150.
2: Very quickly, when you look at the most passing yards for the quarterbacks, you can understand why Burrow and Mahomes at plus 220, because you're expecting Mahomes to do what he does, right? Burrow's got to try to play, Mm. you know, catch up. They're more than likely going to be behind. So maybe if Mahomes takes the foot off the gas, Burrow's got to get those cheapies late. Stafford at plus 230 is intriguing to me. And then Jimmy G, as you just mentioned, the longest shot on the board, at plus five hundred, because that's really just not the way their offense operates. Is Mahomes? When we look at this and go, boy, plus money, plus two twenty. What am I missing there? Could you see a scenario where people go, I gotta, I gotta play the goat here or the new goat with Brady retiring?
1: Well. Yeah, and I think Mahomes would probably get the most tickets amongst those four options. But the one that I considered in terms of passing yards, and I don't usually play a lot of quarterback props. I know that's what most of the market does, but I usually think there's value down the board, maybe with receivers and running backs and whatnot, and that's where most of my prop action is. But I'm still considering Joe Burrow on the over yards just because I mentioned the Chiefs, you know, play man coverage a lot, and Joe Burrow leads the league in terms of yards per attempt against man coverage. And if you believe they're going to be behind her, They're going to have to throw the ball, and Burrow's going to have to throw 50 sometimes.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. When we come back, let's do some. uh, Who's going to score the first touchdown in those title games, and maybe some anytime touchdowns? Come on back, betting across America on Veasan, the sports betting network.
0: Across America on Vsin, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSN.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights into where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line, over/unders, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way vsin is here to make you a smarter better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VSN. Dave Ross on side, Wes Reynolds. This is Betting Across America right here on VEASAN. I am here at Circus Sportsbook. Wes Reynolds joins us over at Mandalay Bay. And it is interesting now because a new craze, I think, in the prop world is anytime touchdown and first touchdown to be scored in the game. And Wes, you can obviously understand why those numbers are quite, quite different here depending on the player. Let's go to the AFC first. When you look at the Chiefs and the Bengals, And again, you're going to understand why maybe some of these Bengals players are getting better or longer odds than the Chiefs because you're expecting the Chiefs to get on the board first. Tyreek Hill, BB, he is your overwhelming favorite. Anytime touchdown, you got to lay minus 125 to get the first touchdown or the last touchdown plus 800. That's a rather fascinating handicap scenario there. Travis Kelsey, same deal. Minus 125, anytime, plus 800. Uh, first or last. Then you get to your first Bengal. That's Joe Mixon, which does surprise me a little bit for any time at minus 175. Because I'm going to look at Jamar Chase, and he's got the same number there at minus 125. But the first touchdown, 11 to one, or the last. How do you even handicap the last? Would you go Bengals there thinking they're behind and get the garbage time touchdown?
1: Yeah, that's a tough thing to do, and I really don't get in the last touchdown market. I think that's kind of like needle in a haystack. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some prop experts out there that can do that. I'm not sure who they are, and I know for one it's not me, but to your point, like any time touchdown, and maybe you can correlate that, especially if you have some yardage props, and I'm just judging by a prop that I did play, which I can get into more detail a little bit later on, but if you look at what happened in that Bills-Chiefs game last week, Stefan Diggs, WR1, number one right receiver for the Bills, mm-hmm. got pretty much shut down in that game. He had three catches on seven yards, did have that two-point conversion that put the Bills up by three late. But what happened is Kansas City said, okay, we're not going to let this guy beat us. So you got to think that they might, let Jamar, they might take the same approach with Jamar Chase. So what does that do? That opens it up for the number two and the number three receiver. I mentioned about Diggs being held to uh, three catches, seven yards. Well, Gabriel Davis had 201 yards and had the Bundy four touchdowns in one game. And then Cole Beasley, who'd been kind of uh, absent and a non-factor lately, he added in 60 yards. So if you maybe want to look like anytime touchdown, maybe Tyler Boyd down there. And I did play his over receiving yards at 39 and a half. Uh, uh, He's only gone over that number, I think in half the game this season, but the average was like 48.3 yards, 12.4 yards of reception. So I think that's the chase factor. It's like, okay, we can't let this guy beat us. Right. And probably what happened last week, the reason why Gabriel Davis beat him, is because he ran more routes over the middle. Because I think it changed a little bit with the Chiefs defense when the Honey Badger, Tyron Mathieu went out at the game with a concussion. The yards per attempt went up. They really missed him, the Chiefs. And I think the Bills and Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, and the whole offensive brain trust rightfully exploded exploited that. I haven't seen if Honey Badger is going to play yet. I know he's been questionable. He's been practicing. So we probably... OK, so more than likely, at least mm-hmm. you got to think that he's going to give it a go. And they need him over the middle because that's where Buffalo attacked. And you would think that's where Cincinnati would want to. But in terms of like any time touchdown, I'm not good with the last, the first or worth maybe a couple lottery tickets if you want to go down the board. Usually when I do that more often than not, Dave, on a standalone game like this, I'll usually go with the tight ends because the tight ends you can often get at big prices. You know, not the Kelsey's and the Gronk's. And those guys, but, you know, the kind of middle-of-the-road tight ends, you know, maybe somebody like Azuma for the Bengals, that could be a first-time touchdown guy if you want to look at it, but Tyler Boyd, for sure, any time touchdown. I think he's going to have a big game for Cincinnati tomorrow.
2: All right, we interrupt our regular scheduled prop talk to bring you this news and uh, piece of information. This is from Pro Football Talk, so Blueford certified checkmark. Per source, the Vikings are interviewing Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, end of tweet. Wes, there's going to be a lot of futures markets. We're going to talk a lot about Green Bay, whether or not Aaron Rodgers comes back. We know Tom Brady. We believe he's retiring. We know Sean Payton has left New Orleans. My goodness, and the futures won't be released until after the Super Bowl. You hear news like this at the Vikings now with a new GM looking for a new head coach to replace Mike Zimmer. Jim Harbaugh to Minnesota? I'd didn't see that potential happening, but I don't think Harbaugh is going to talk to Minnesota unless there's real interest. And we know Las Vegas, right. who who I thought, if Harbaugh leaves Michigan, I'm on record. I don't if, if Harbaugh leaves Michigan, I think he's gonna go out here to the desert. But to me, now that he's talking to other teams, maybe he just wants back in the NFL. And I believe to right now, the Vikings uh, at DraftKings uh, to win the Super Bowl next year. So, again, those odds could fluctuate if Jim Harbaugh becomes their head coach. What do you make of this report that at least we know officially Jim Harbaugh's interviewing for another job not named the Las Vegas Raiders?
1: Well, and and now, Dave, we've been hearing a little bit more in terms of – Josh McDaniels yes. possibly coming here to a uh, lot. We've been hearing a lot of that chatter lately. So we're going to hear, and this is going to be interesting because different stuff gets leaked by different agents in different camps. So don't take something that's reported by some of the NFL insiders necessarily as gospel, because there's a lot of gamesmanship going on here.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on that, but again, a very busy day around the national football league. Obviously we got the two title games tomorrow, but there's a lot of other things going on there that could affect those futures markets, but again, that is a report uh, right now coming out that Jim Harbaugh will interview for the Vikings head coaching job. Let's get back to some of those first touchdowns, anytime touchdowns, but now let's flip flip the script here and go to the NFC. And this is where it gets a little bit trickier because, again, in the AFC game, we're thinking there's going to be more points, so those anytime touchdowns, you feel like you got a better shot at hitting some of those. Maybe not as many points we're expecting in this Niners game here. The biggest move that we've seen so far Cooper Cup to get the first touchdown was plus 800. That's gone. That's now plus 500 uh, here. So that at MGM, that's a significant move there. That You see Cooper Cup now getting a lot of the heavy action. That 800 is now off the board. Debo at plus 800 is intriguing for obvious reasons because he can use him multifaceted in the run and the pass game. You see Cam Akers, I just don't know how much they're going to trust him at the goal line anymore after that big fumble last week at San Francisco, and then again, you see Sony Michelle, who could be a goal-line type guy if this game is really played uh, tightly and, you know, game inside the five instead of big plays over the top. But the guy that I look at value, and I see George Kittle, and I think, man, I think we've forgotten a little bit about him because all the focus has gone to Debo, and he dropped that big ball early in the game last week against Green Bay. I, what do you make there? Because to me, for the first touchdown of the game, I know it's tough, but anytime touchdown, plus money for Kittle at plus 140.
1: Yeah, I got it. And, and I was on the uh, over Kittle yards prop last week. It took till the fourth quarter but he to got get you. it. They finally did. But, you know that's what I was saying earlier about the 49ers. They're going to throw in between the hash marks. They're not going to really throw a lot outside unless they're like bubble screens and get Debo or get uh, Jennings in terms of on the move and see if they can make a guy miss and streak down the sidelines. You're not going to see them throw a lot of sidelines routes necessarily with the 49ers. But the guy whose props I played and I played the over yards, which means maybe I'll give an, a shot for an anytime touchdown, would be Van Jefferson. Mm. Cooper Cup got all the hype because of how many catches he had last week and the fact that Bowles went to zero coverage and Stafford threw the dime last week to Cooper Cup so Van Jefferson's been kind of quiet in the postseason so far but you got to think that this Rams offense is going to throw the ball a little bit more you got 49ers that are number two in DVOA against the run according to football outsiders so Ben Jefferson, I took it uh, over 30 and a half receiving yards. So I think it's going to be a little bit higher. I mean, he ran a, a route on 86% of the dropbacks in the Arizona game. And then 95% last week, he just didn't get the ball. So I got to think he's going to get the ball a little more. 49ers, uh, Dabiko Ryans, who's done such a great job as their defensive coordinator, has got to try to – you can't totally take Cooper Cup away but if you can minimize his impact a little bit. So that's got to open it up for somebody else. So on the Rams side, I'd be looking for Van Jefferson on those TD props.
2: All right, right now, 16-1 for Van to get the first touchdown, anytime touchdown, plus 210, very quickly. For the Niners' defense to score a touchdown, I believe that does include special teams, if I'm not mistaken, uh, like they got last week against Green Bay. Anytime touchdown for the Niners' defense, plus 175. That's it. Like That, that seems ridiculously low to me. Get the first touchdown 20 to 1. Conversely, for the Rams, anytime defensive touchdown plus 550. Quarter- mm-hmm. These quarterbacks will give it up. They're known to give it up. And it does include special teams here. What do you make of those? Yes. Teams?
1: Well, no surprising that that got discounted for the uh, 49ers. Of course, they had that block punt return in the final five minutes of the game. And you make the good point, special teams is included in that. They can both get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. You could easily see sack fumbles return for six here.
2: It's going to be wild. All right, when we come back here, Wes going to be joined by David Gascon. does a great job at Valley Sports West talking all things Rams and Niners. Come on back. It's Betting Across America on Visa, the sports betting network.
0: This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: It is never too early to prepare for the big game. We want to make sure VSIN is a part of your plans. we're going to be with you throughout the playoffs and then on championship weekend. We've got 56 hours of free video coverage on VSIN.com leading up to the sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VSIN betting ex- experts. Before, during, and after the action on VEASAN.com. Dave Ross, on site, West Reynolds. I am here at Circus Sportsbook. He is at Mandalay Bay. And what a pleasure to be joined by David Gascon, Valley Sports West. Always love catching up with you, David, as we prepare for the big one. And you're right there in Los Angeles. I already saw people on Twitter today, Danielle Alvari, one of our uh, correspondents here at VEASAN. She was on a flight, and the the, the pilot's getting into it, like, Who's going to win the game? And they're like, it's another home game for the Niners. How do you break that down this game from an LA uh, perspective here? Just from emotion, because we're hearing that the Niners are going to have more fans in the stands once again, and they're actually calling this a home game for the Niners.
0: Dave, I don't know if you and Wes uh saw the entire video from Danielle, but I feel like she kind of let us down, like no mimosa in her hand, no captain <laughs> and Coke. Like if you're making a trek from Oakland to Los Angeles right. and you're bringing 49 er fans with you, you got to have one cocktail with you, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it definitely gets the feel though, yeah. that they are ready for this game though, David. And I wonder, cause LA, you know, the town, they get the rep of maybe not necessarily being the best Sports towns if it's not the Lakers, right? Or maybe the Dodgers. But for football, sometimes yeah. they can be a bit flippant. Yeah. Are they all in? Is it going to be yeah. crazy atmosphere tomorrow at SoFi?
0: I think it's going to be tempered. I, I think part of the game last week that you saw from Matthew Stafford, and, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but it almost gave me that sense of Clayton Kershaw in a World Series game. Like, hey, he got run support. And then he got the W. He didn't blow a lead in the seventh inning like he does in years past. And oddly enough, these guys being two good friends, I feel like that's the moment last week. Stafford didn't blow the game for the Rams. Cam Akers had a couple of fumbles. But Stafford played a great game, and he led them to the game-winning drive that set things up, obviously with Cooper Cup and that 44-yard reception. So I think right now for Rams fans, they're cautiously optimistic, and they should be because the bully's coming back to town.
1: And uh, taking a quick detour, but staying with San Francisco, this according to K-R-O-N-4 up there in San Francisco news, apparently Tom Brady retirement gate takes another turn, guys, because Tom Brady Sr. tells that particular news station, K-R-O-N-4, that he is not retiring. Says an online publication started circulating an unsubstantiated (laughs) rumor, and a number of NFL insiders are now reporting it, so... Basically, the theme of what our discussion was at the top of the show, nobody knows Jack Squat here we, yeah, until he goes ahead and speaks.
2: We wrote his football obit and what an obit it is, and he might not be dead <laughs> yet. Very quickly to that point, Wes. Uh Rick Stroud said confirming that Tom Brady has called Bucks GM, Jason Lick, to inform that he has not made up his mind about retiring or playing in 2022. Mike Silver reported it first. Stay tuned on that front. Wow, David, sorry for that detour. But let's get back to your game. No, it's this- all
0: good, man. That's it's. Deservedly so, man. Brady is that guy where he'll go out on his own. He wanted to play until he's 45. He's 44 right now. So he led the league in almost every statistical category that was out there. Why would a guy like that walk away?
2: It seemed odd to me as well. So, again, uh, maybe Tom Brady's uh, retirement might be very short-lived in the span of this show, which has been about 90 minutes long so far. Uh, David, let's get back (laughs) to the game uh, right now. We mentioned, obviously, with the Niners and the ticket sales and all those things going in and out. And then you see some, some of the reaction almost from the players, right? And we don't know about Trent Williams' status, but to me that's the biggest linchpin here on the offensive line for the Niners. And if he can't go, if 71 can't go, it makes a big difference. It might even be a half-point difference from, from my eyes from a handicapping standpoint. Let's say Williams goes. Why is it that this Niners team has been able to do what other teams can't do against the Rams' defense, which is neutralize 99?
0: Well, I'll ask you this. I'll throw it right back at you. What did your Dallas Cowboys defense do against San Francisco? that That's the thing, right, where you have a guy like Micah Parsons you can move them on both sides of the field. You can put them in the middle with the Los Angeles Rams. They have a couple of guys that can punk that offensive line. You have Vaughn Miller, obviously Aaron Donald Floyd's out there as well. And so what San Francisco does though, it's so well is they keep teams off balance. You saw last week with Trent Williams, what did he do? He wasn't only a tackle, but he went in motion to be a lead blocker for Kyle Shanahan's offense. And, who would have thought four or five years ago you would say that? Like Kyle Shethan goes from a West Coast offense, maybe a little running gun, to going two tight ends, mm-hmm. a tackle, obviously lined up as a fullback. He's a smash-mouth guy right now, so he's catered towards his specialty guys, and one of them is Trent Williams. So I think the key, though, obviously, with Trent Williams in play right now is then what do you do with Aaron Donald? Do you put him in between the A and B gaps, or do you put him outside – like he did last week against Tampa Bay, where he carved up the Bucks' offensive line. Obviously, it led to a strip sack for Vaughn Miller. So when you play that cat-and-mouse game, if you're the L.A. Rams, you can't do that if Trent Williams is in the ballgame. It's a huge, obviously, loss for San Francisco if he can't go, but I expect him to at least try. David uh,
1: much has been made all week and probably too much has been made of the fact that Kyle Shanahan has gotten the better of the series with Sean McVay seven and three against him. What do you do? You just kind of look at that as like randomness here, or is there something to that? Is there something the 49ers are doing that Sean McVay and the Rams just haven't had an answer for?
0: Well, I think two things going to play. I think it's the coaching and I also think it's the talent. I mean, you have, you have arguably one of the best defenses in the National Football League. And guys, frankly, they're on the come. They didn't look good at the beginning of the season. But don't forget, the last two years, the San Francisco defense was absolutely decimated by injuries. And so you get Nick Bosa back, and all of a sudden it changed the dynamic. It changed the hunger. It changed the attitude of that defense. But also Kyle Shannon is a pretty good play caller as well. I mean, don't forget, when they played twice this season, Matthew Stafford had four INTs, but one ball game, the Rams were up 17-0, mm. and they did not put their foot on the gas and beat San Francisco down. 49ers came back and won that ball game in the closing seconds. So I think it's a little bit of coaching. I think it's a lot of talent, but I think all in all, I do think that it's in the head of Sean McVay. I mean, don't forget, that Super Bowl that they lost the New England Patriots to a man, they had way better talent on the field, the Rams, than the Patriots, but they were out-schemed, out Simply by Bill Belichick, I think it has to do something with Kyle Shannon. He's an excellent play caller.
2: Yeah, no question about it. And, gentlemen, you know, I really wish Brent Musburger was here with us right now with those old 1970s and early 80s graphics where they would have, you know, offense, which team gets the check. Defense, which team gets the check. Special teams, which team gets the check. Intangibles. David, I don't know where the checks would go for just about any of those categories. Maybe special teams. I could give that to San Francisco, right? Robbie Gold, we know how good he's been. We don't know about the Ram kicker here in Matthew Gay and his, his leg, I believe, he came up short on a 47-yard attempt last week in good conditions in Tampa Bay. Where do you give the advantages? Because the Niners are getting three and a half points. I could make an argument for a check on each one of those ledgers for the Niners.
0: Yeah, you can. I think the biggest thing in a game like this is who are the X factors. I think in this affair – Debo Samuel is for San Francisco, whether he's a playing as wide receiver or as a running back. And then you look at Cooper cup and Odell Beckham jr. Odell Beckham jr has been on fire since mm-hmm. he came to Los Angeles, but he's got the playbook down and Matthew Stafford's getting him the football. I and mean, those are two complementary pieces. And don't forget. I mean, Sean McVay can put these guys on kickoff returns on punt returns. You have Jefferson there in the middle of the field as well. So I, I think when you look at the checks up and down the field, I would go with the front seven for the L.A. Rams simply because of Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller. Those two guys are going to the Hall of Fame, whether it's all said and done. On the other side of things, the quarterback situation is dicey because you know what you get from Matthew Stafford, a big arm. Dude's not going to give up. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, you got the good looks, the solid <laughs> jawline. He's pretty manageable with the football. But when Jimmy G is clean, he's really good. And I think when it comes down to this, I think it's all about Kyle Shanahan putting him in a better position than Sean McVay can for Matthew Stafford. And if Shanahan does that, they're going three for three this season.
1: David, I know we've talked a lot about the NFC title game, but let's get a quick take here in the final two minutes. What about the AFC title game? Cincinnati against Kansas City. Kansas City, seven, seven and a half, kind of dancing around that number. All one-way action on the total so far up to 54 and a half. How do you see the AFC title game going?
0: Yeah, I just hope McPherson's not kicking four field goals in this game, right? Like (laughs) offensively, Cincinnati has been a little inept in terms of getting into the end zone. Uh, I've taken Kansas City in a couple of things. Their team total over 30, over 31. I do like them at minus seven. Despite, I mean, this isn't college football, guys, where you have an emotional win one week and they have an emotional letdown the following week. Kansas City saw what happened to them last year. They got punched in the face by Tampa Bay. They're representing the AFC again in the Super Bowl this year. Cincinnati is extremely talented. Don't get me wrong. Jamar Chase, you got Higgins, you got Boyd on the outside, you got Joe Mixon in the backfield. But that offensive line cannot protect Joe Burrow. There's a reason why he came back from a torn ACL. It was ineptitude by that offensive line. He got sacked nine times last week against Tennessee. Unfortunately, guys, I think the magic runs out for the Bengals. But, man, they've had a hell of a run this season. And who would have thought? Because their team total on the over this season was around 7, seven and a half.
2: Here they are in the title game. David Gascon, Valley Sports West. Follow him on Twitter as I do at David J Gascon. David, I'm so glad you did not retire during the making of this segment. So we appreciate you (laughs) sticking around for the entire segment.
0: (laughs) Hey, fellas! Happy hunting. Good luck to you guys as well. And uh, we'll catch you next week.
2: Absolutely. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, David
0: Gascon. Thank you.
2: Always appreciate having him on. All right. When we come back, we'll dive into some QB props. Certainly in the AFC in that Chiefs and Bengals game that might. Wet your whistle just for a bit. Come on back. It is Visa, the sports betting number. This
0: is betting across America.
2: BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the last pro football playoff round before the big game. Simply place a $10 money on wager in either game and if either team scores a touchdown, you're going to win $200 in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use the bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your very first wager. Enjoy the playoffs like never before. Earn Life rewards that you can redeem at any MGM resort. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code vc 200 to win $200 in free bets if either team simply scores a touchdown in this weekend's games. Visit BetMGM Com for terms and conditions, must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable. Free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. This is betting across America. And before you make those future bets after the Super Bowl and once they come out here and bet MGM and in other places, know this. From Jenna Lane, ESPN. Tom Brady hasn't informed the Bucks that he's retiring. Bruce Arians told me, Jenna, quote, he hasn't. He's not even close to making up his mind yet. He told us. Whew, Wes, I don't know even what to think. This has been uh, the craziest know- hour and 45 minutes that we've done together for the entire year.
1: You know, you know I have respect for the guy. I'm not I'm not going to poo poo when he's got the most touchdown passes in NFL history, but Tom Brady, as an Indianapolis Colts fan, as a former season ticket holder, and just a fan of the league in general, has been a real pain in my ass <laughs> for twenty two years. And now apparently it's gonna continue to a twenty third year because now we've got all this drama, whether he's retired, whether he's not. So now you get all you get all of this going on and it's just like, man, go be happy with your life. You got wait, a beautiful wife, you was, got a great family. Just make it easy on everybody. This isn't
2: on Brady though. Right. If he didn't say anything, right. If he didn't. And this is the media. We, the media was jumping the gun mm-hmm. and retiring Brady before he actually made the announcement. I can't hate on Brady for that. This is anti Brett Favre, right? Cause for those of us of a certain age, we remember the Brett Favre ordeal, right? I'm retiring. I'm not retiring. I'm back. I'm not. Then he goes to the jets. So that's a disaster. He ends up in Minnesota, goes to another title game. I mean, it was chaotic and we went through that. Right. So people blamed Favre. And I think Favre had to take some of that. And I think people do remember that for part of his legacy, right? I don't know if it should impact his legacy or not, but I, I, I can't put this on Brady just yet.
1: I do think Tom does kind of is kind of enjoying all this and kind of wherever he is today, just kind of laughing about all of this right now with everything going on and all these media people trying to get out to be first. I mean, there's already the jokes on social media. He's going to come back and just spite Adam Schefter, (laughs) you know, just just spite him and Jeff Darlington for being apparently first out here. I don't know if they were first or if Rappaport was first from NFL Network, but nevertheless, uh, you know, that's the race. You want to be first. Do you want to be first or do you want to be right, I would lean toward the latter, but look, this is a competitive business. Everything is competitive, and being an NFL insider for all these networks is very competitive, so you want to break what's the biggest story right now in the league, so... We don't know if that story is, in fact, needing to be broken because we will not yet know. I assume he is probably going to, when he feels like it, go ahead and and speak on this and say he's made a decision. I don't know if he's going to do that in between the week of the Super Bowl or if he's going to do it the following week. I actually did check, Dave, because we do have the AT&T Pedal Beach Pro-Am, and he has played in that event before. So I did check to see if he was one of the celebrities in the field for next weekend. He is officially not. So, you know, was just kind of checking on that as now we're getting uh, golf coverage here in the final round, a Saturday final round to not compete with tomorrow's championship games here at Torrey Pines out in San Diego.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting. And again, back to my, you know, kind of beat days when I was in Washington, D.C. for 18 years, my news director said, hey, you're going to break this story. And I said, I'm going to get it right, but I might not be first. I I just I'm right there with you, Wes. It was always more important to get the story correct instead of being first. And again, I don't know what those guys are respected in the industry, and I'm sure they have their sources. But there's, you got to have two, and you always hope one of them is the actual guy making that decision, Tom Brady. So we'll figure out how that's going to play out. But as of right now, the latest we've had here, and we'll keep up for the next hour and uh, see where this goes, Tom Brady has not officially decided or made up his mind one way or the other if he's going to come back with Tampa Bay next year. Or beyond.
1: I'd just make people wait if I were him. I'd be like, you know what? I'm not saying anything, you know, because everybody's going to be like, okay, now we got the Pro Bowl. It's a dead week because we got two weeks between the championship games and the Super Bowl. And then obviously, you don't want to necessarily be the story if you're being unselfish during Super Bowl week out of respect as a competitor for the two teams that are there. I'd just dangle people along and just make them wait.
2: Yeah, it sounds like that's uh, certainly captivating the sports world right now. Is Tom Brady. They will be talking about the games tomorrow once we get to Sunday and this kind of cools down a little bit. And let's get to some prop scenarios for the quarterbacks here because, again, I mentioned that Patrick Mahomes was now undefeated against all active quarterbacks in the league. That is now an incorrect statement if Tom Brady is still an active participant in the NFL because that's the one guy that Mahomes has not been able to best. You expect him to get the better of Joe Burrow tomorrow. But when you look at some of the props available, for these two head-to-head, right? With a young gun now, can't believe Joe Burrow is now the young gun, and Patrick Mahomes going to his fourth straight title game has kind of been there, done that guy. But you look at the passing yards here, they're relatively close, right? Mahomes just six yards more than Burrow in that individual matchup. You can understand why the touchdown's there, but boy, you got to lay a lot of juice if you like Burrow over one and a half at minus 189. You actually get plus money if you think Mahomes can get you three or more And then the picks, look at that. They just don't expect Mm -hmm. Mahomes to throw one, and they expect one to get out of Burrow. What do you make of those numbers, and is there any way there that you see some value in any of those plays?
1: Yeah, and I'll go back to one I mentioned earlier, and that was Burrow over passing yards. It has already been hit a little bit, but I still think a half, it'd be worth it. Keep in mind, week 17, he had 446 against these guys, against that Kansas City man defense, plays the sixth highest rate in the league. Cincinnati, I mentioned 11.4 yards per targeted pass attempt versus man coverage, so it's a favorable matchup for Joe Burrow. And then, you know, Steve Spagnuolo usually likes to bring the pressure really didn't do that. Played a lot of man coverage, and Joe Burrow smoked him against the man coverage. So, you do worry a little bit about the protection, and why wouldn't you, when they had uh, gave up nine sacks last week against the Tennessee Titans. Some of that was on Burrow. A bulk of that was on the offensive line, but uh, look I think uh, the OC there Brian Callahan along with the uh, head coach Zach Taylor you got to kind of lean on a little bit more of a spread offense which a lot of these guys of course run in the college game and you got to be able to have a little bit more quick passing now Burrow did get sacked four times against Kansas City but when he was blitzed and under the rest he did complete 7-10 for 138 and a touchdown and he's very good against a blitz so it's kind of like a pick your poison situation here if you're Kansas City so I I do like Burrow and look, they're the biggest dog of the two games on the board, mm-hmm. getting as high as seven and a half in the market. So the market's kind of telling you, well, we think this team's probably going to be behind or have to kind of match Kansas City score for score. So, you know, as kind of a way maybe to hedge a little bit on the under, I do like Joe Burrow on his overpassing yards.
2: You know, I look at some of these combo uh, platters, if you will, that you could take here, passing plus rushing yards from a and It's three twenty two and a half. For Burrow, 299 and a half, right? So now all of a sudden you see where the discrepancy goes in the yardage, where it was only six yards straight passing, and they're expecting Mahomes to run more here. Do you think Burrow takes off? Because every time I think he's not going to run because the knee issues, there he goes, and Joey B's taking off for a big game here. And we know with the offensive line, right. sometimes he's got to run for his life. Do you think that's not a bad prop either, 299.5 for Burrow, if you like the over already at 287-ish?
1: Yeah, I would lean that way because, look, uh, you know, he can't just keep taking sacks. So now he knows, hey, I got to try to make a play here a little bit if my offensive line is going to allow. But the guy that's been running a little bit more is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, And if you go to that first matchup, the Bengals did kind of contain him. Uh, Mahomes, uh, 26 of 35 for 259 and two touchdowns. But Tyreek Hill had 10 targets, only had six catches for 40 yards. Travis Kelsey had seven targets, did have the one touchdown, but five for 25. So not exactly stupefying numbers from your main two targets on the Kansas City side. So the combined yardage prop, I might actually lean a, bit, a little bit more with Mahomes because I think he's going to be a little bit more apt to run the ball and just kind of get out of there. But I don't think, obviously, Andy Reid wants to get him hurt. If you remember that playoff game last year against Cleveland, it was Chad Henney that had to finish that ball game.
2: That great point. It really got roughed up in that game and didn't look the same in that Super Bowl. So it's a great uh, uh, remembrance, certainly, of what Andy Reid might not want to do. But you're right, because in the Buffalo game last week, the way that they're playing, the way teams are scheming it, Man, he gets through that initial pass rush. There's a lot of green for Patrick Mahomes because the safeties are just so deep. So let's see if that opens itself up for Mahomes again this weekend. All right, we got one more hour to go. We'll see if Tom Brady is retired, unretired in the next hour. Who knows? It's changing by the minute. And we're also going to have Bryant McFadden join us, two-time Super Bowl champion of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll get his thoughts on Ben Roethlisberger, who at this juncture is a retired quarterback from the NFL. That has not changed America. So we'll get his thoughts on that and the championship games as well. Come on back. It's Betting Across America right here in Beeson, the Sports Betting Network.